Hey, uh, I had a chance to meet um, our guest today a couple years ago through a mutual friend, um, and it just was a, it was great to get to know him then. But uh, just I make think out of just God's sovereignty and the Lord moving in his heart. Uh, he decided to mail me a book uh, that he wrote before it even came out and was published uh, for me to read. And I read a lot. Um, it's just part of uh, how I, I live my life. I, I read a lot of books, but it's very seldom that I pick up a book and just read it right through. Uh, and this is one of those books. I really couldn't put it down. I read it, most of it in one day and just finished it up the next evening. Uh, and the reason is it just grabbed me. It grabbed my heart. And I knew almost the minute I started reading it that um, the Lord would want Jason to come spend a little bit of time with us and share his story because it's a story of redemption, uh, but also because it's a story that fits to who we are. What is our mission statement here at Grace? We are? We are a mosaic striving to live like Jesus. And that mosaic thing creates a lot of complications sometimes, doesn't it? The black, white, rich, uh, poor, young, old uh, means we have differences. And if we're going to relate well across our differences, then we need to be pretty in touch with who we are before we can really re relate to somebody else. Um, but I love the story, and I want you to hear the, uh, a little bit of Jason's story. Um, but one of the things I just want to encourage you, there's a passage of Scripture in 2 Corinthians, first chapter, where Paul is talking about, he's actually talking about what qualifies him to be an apostle. And he says, what qualifies me to be an apostle is the fact that I've received comfort from Jesus. Not his training, not his education, not his, his prolific way of writing, whatever it was, none of that. What he said is, I've experienced Jesus in my difficulties, and because I've experienced Jesus, I'm able to give Jesus to you in your difficulties. So the passage says, praise be to God, the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us who comforts us in all of our troubles for a reason, so that we can comfort those in troubles with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. God desires to bring healing and wholeness into your life. God desires to go with you into the deepest wounds of your life and bring healing, and then he's gonna say to you, that's awesome. Now would you be an agent of healing in other people's lives? And that's really Jason's story. God has given him a very profound ministry with young men and their fathers in the city of Detroit where he is bringing what he didn't get into that cave, if you will. That's what his ministry is called, and you'll see that in just a minute. And he is ministering to them not out of just some intellectual knowledge, but out of the very comfort that God has brought to him. All right, so I'm gonna show you a video. Video came out just a, a couple years ago on YouTube, but it's had over 1.8 million hits, which if you know anything about YouTube and videos, that's, it's, that's absolutely dumbfounding to me. It's an incredible number of hits, uh, but it has really gone forth and opened the door for Jason to do a lot of other things like write this book and just uh, really has, has been huge. So we're gonna watch this as Jason comes up and joins me, and then I'll let him frame a little bit about what you just saw in this video. So let's go ahead and roll the video. So I'm gonna give Jason an opportunity to share a little bit of his story and to talk a little bit about the book. Um, but before we do that, I just want you to kind of tell us like, what's going on there. Like, what, are you, what are you doing with the kids? How does the martial arts fit into that? Uh, it just just kind of unpack the, what is the ministry? How do you bring this healing that you're trying to bring? And then after that, I'd love for you to talk about, which I've seen multiple videos, but what, 
what's up with the dads and the push-ups. Because mm -hmm. it's, I, I mean, it's, a, I don't know why, I've, well, I'm just trying to show off, but I cry every time I watch that video. Yeah. Um, I'm not even sure why, when we had breakfast together, I asked him, like, what, what do you suppose that is? But there's something very moving in it for me. Um, and I'm not even sure I figured out what all that is. But uh, what are you doing? What are you doing with the boys? And uh, so they get to break a board. What does that got to do with growing up? <laughs> the ministry of the Cave of Adullam actually came from my own longing. Um, I remember my son asked me one morning at breakfast, he said, Dad, how did you become a great dad when your father wasn't? And I said, son, I simply gave you what I longed for. And so the Cave of Adullam is literally what I longed for is to have a man or someone that you can trust who follows God, who can guide you along this path of what it means to be a man and a place and to have a safe, play, safe place where I won't be condemned but challenged and loved and empowered. And so that's what the Cave of Adullam is. And historically in the Bible, that's what David ran from Saul when Saul was trying to kill him. And at this point in David's life, he, you know, he was questioning if he was going to be king, you know. Sure. And how often do we question really what God told us what actually happened? And so um, 400 men came to David who were distressed and debt and discontented, and they made him their leader. And what was interesting when we did a Bible study on it, um, the group moved on studying David and his men, but I stayed in the cave of Adullam because something was unique about these same men who were, had given up on life, basically, were the same men who came out to reestablish Israel and were called mighty men of valor. Right. So basically, the cave of Adullam is a safe space where men can get with other men who care, uh, work through their fears, failures, and to become mighty men of the most high. So, yeah. <laughs> So the young man, Bruce, mm -hmm. right? Yes, sir. So Bruce gets to the point uh, where there's lots of tears. Um, just you're kneeling down by him, not shaming him. Um, is that a common occurrence in that room that they get? And, and is, that a, is that a leveraging point often? <laughs> when you, and I'm not saying you're trying to make the kids yeah, cry. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah. But, you know, I think most of us men would agree. There haven't been very many people who have ever said it's okay. Um, I've spent most of my life trying to figure out how not to cry because right, exactly. it's just a sign of weakness or whatever yes. I've been told. So it's not a safe place for sure in a lot of cases. So, so tell me about that. Like Bruce is there, he's crying. Like, is that part of the strategy or is it, what, just tell me. It's a part of just allowing a boy to be a human or a man to be a human. Right. Um, so that was not new. I mean, I didn't set the camera up like this is going to go viral. That happens all the time. We call it a moment on the mat. So when you allow men a, a safe space where they can trust you and be vulnerable with what they're really feeling and hiding, oh, they cry. Because in life, we cry. We're crying, but it doesn't come out as physical tears, but it comes out as spousal abuse or pornography addiction or drug addiction or at-risk behaviors. Mm -hmm. And so... Just anger and rage. Ang anger and rage, exactly. Yeah. You know, and so when I, I, me getting on my knees, I wanted Bruce to know he was the most important person in that room at that moment. And then for me to share with him that I cry as well, that struck a chord with not only him, but the fathers who were in that room because so many times, uh, as growing up playing sports, coaches would curse at you and yell at you and call you weak if you cried. Yeah, right. And so to say, wait a minute, actually what Dr. William Frey discovered that tears that come from emotional stress release stress hormones. That's why typically we feel better <coughs> after crying. It kind of makes sense why men commit suicide three times as likely as women, why the majority of war, well, well if not all of them, are started by men. Um, and I think it's over 90% of homicides are 
started by, I mean, our men, related to men, you know? And so we're unhealthy. We're right? Yeah, we're, we're unhealthy because we bought into the lie that uh, this one adjective of a word masculinity can define the comprehensiveness of how God created us. Yeah, we're going to unpack that a little uh, bit more in a minute. So what's up with the push-ups? The push-ups. And I'm just glad that my kids are grown up because I can't do one push-up with Robbie I tried back, to do so. one. Yeah. What's funny, I tried to do one with my son um, about a week ago and because I, I did 20 with him at his test, but he was six or seven then. I couldn't do two. I'm like, what? what's going on, this boy? But he weighs 130 pounds, I think. Yeah. And so it's over for me, too. So, what's up? so, <laughs> so why, why do you do that? And I've seen it in other, <laughs> other videos. It's over for me, too. We should yeah. cry for a minute. Yeah, <laughs> we should. It's, it's over. It's over for us. Downhill. But um, it's, it's symbolic that a father will be there for his son, that he will push him up throughout the journey, regardless of what he's going through. And we call it the father-son up. And with Bruce there, what I did, just like God does with all of us, he tests us. He tests us to get us stronger so that our faith will increase. Uh, like James says, consider it a joy when you face trials of many kinds. And so the wood that I was smacking his forearms with actually stings a lot. And I wanted to let him know, you need to stay there. Uh, rule your soul and your emotions so when your son does something that may hurt your feelings or make you angry or you feel like you want to leave your marriage because you're not getting along with your wife, you have to stay there and stay strong and, and firm in your faith and push your son and your family up. Okay. And that's what that represents. So, uh, interestingly enough, the, the cave and the ministry of the cave is in the book, but that's not really what the book is about. Uh, the book is really your story, yes. um, and it's a powerful story, and it's a story that I want you all to uh, take seriously and maybe get the book afterwards and read it. Um, but in, in a few highlights, um, can you just touch on some of uh, your life and the trauma that you experienced uh, growing up, and uh, that'll get us to kind of the other side of how God has entered into some of that trauma. So, um, Well... It's a long story, but I'm going to do my best to confine right. it. Uh, my grandfather, as uh, I mentioned in the first chapter of my book, um, he was lynched and beaten by racist police officers in Fort Pierce, Florida. Um, he hated injustice. Um, he hated uh, people being treated a different way because of their skin color. And he would often stand up in lines where it was coloreds only and whites only. He wouldn't play that. He would go to the front and get the food for him and his family and leave. And because of that, he created a lot of enemies in Fort Pierce. And one day, they snatched him out of his friend's car, beat him, lynched him. And uh, they said uh, um, his head was as soft as cotton. And so um, I never knew really what happened. I knew I never met him. I knew it had to be something traumatic because the family never talked about it. But I saw the trauma played out right. in the lives of my mother and uh, her brothers. And interesting, I think out of six siblings, three or four of them had dementia because their mind couldn't. God never designed us to hold on to the trauma and emotional pain that we've experienced. That's why he says, cast your cares upon me because I love you. Uh, think on those things that are praiseworthy. Be anxious for nothing. I could go on and on, but as believers, we, we tend to, um, we're scared of carrying our crosses because right. we think our life is going to be a life of persecution. But that cross is to persecute or slay the flesh or the soul that's stopping us from really walking in, in God's will. So after that, my mother gets married. Her first husband was very abusive. He would slap my brothers with the flat sides of butcher knives for spilling something on their pajamas. He would come home and shoot the gun in the house. Um, she was able to leave then, leave that marriage, <coughs> move to Detroit with my father. 
Um, and then I believe maybe three years later, my brother was murdered. And then um, after that, I can go on and move on. I lost my best friend who dropped dead of a heart attack. But I praise God because with Daryl, he was always the strongest in the gym, and I could never outlift him. And at his funeral, I said, man, so you're going to beat me to heaven too? <laughs> you know. So I, I learned how to, that trauma wasn't a, a state of mind that I should have, but just something that we all will experience. But it doesn't have to be our entire experience if we let the Holy Spirit purge and do the necessary introspective work to bring us true healing. So grandfathers lynched, as I recall in the story, in the town square. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, actually lives through the lynching, but ends up dying in the basically on the precinct floor. Yes, in the jail. Nobody yeah. ministers care. to him or, you know, well. helps us. That's trauma upon trauma. Uh, two brothers murdered. Yes. Uh, witnessed a pretty uh, horrific experience in elementary school mm-hmm. where yes, a young girl was killed. So all this trauma. So I read the book, and honestly, I'm thinking to myself, how does a person survive that without being embittered, without being jaded. Uh, it, it just, it, I, and part of it is I have not experienced, I mean, I've had trauma in my life for sure, but not at that level. Um, and I'm gonna just, I just wanna talk to the white folk in the room for a minute. Um, when, when, that's not the funny part. Uh, when, when Jason talks about his father being lynched, uh, most of us, uh, as white people don't know what to do with that. We don't know how to respond. And we think when a brother is sharing a part of their story that there's an expectation that I can fix it. Or, or, or We just put ourselves in weird. Sometimes it's shame. Sometimes it's guilt. Sometimes it's just fear. It's actually our own emotional incarceration that we're, that we're bumping into. And I just want to encourage you uh, when you read a book like this, when you have a friend who you can have an honest conversation, it's really no different than... Uh, any, you know, if, if someone came to me right now and told me that their son was just diagnosed with, with, a, with a severe illness, I wouldn't feel the pressure to undo that. I would feel the need to be with them emotionally to say, I'm sorry. Not because I did it, but because that sucks. Right? That's, yes. that's just, that's what pain's about. And so we're trying to do this mosaic thing. My, my encouragement to you is don't let that, I think it's just the evil one who wants us to, to to get defensive or whatever. And, and so part of the story helps you to just have empathy and understanding and say, look, it, it's not all the same for everybody. Mm. People do grow up in a completely different environment than you did. And so just enter into that from a place of compassion and understanding and empathy. So Jason, you, you have all these, uh, what I would call just major traumas and it affects, it comes through in the book, it affects a lot, but how do you get from the trauma to the releasing of the trauma. How does God get there? How did you get there? And that's really what everybody is searching for. I don't want people to leave with that as a good, good story. I'd love for them to have a sense of, of how they can do that as well. And I would just say, while this is for men, women, you don't, you don't get a pass. You have trauma too. You have emotional incarceration. It's written to men, but everything Jesus is gonna talk about fits to all of us as humans. So yeah. how do you get on the other side of the trauma in a way that you can be healthy, in a way that you can love well and be you know, well. One, one uh, story I like telling, we talked about it in the first service, is that the story of the burning bush with Moses. And as we know, he was walking one day in, uh, in the desert and saw uh, a bush that was on fire but wasn't consumed. 
And that's my life. So the fire, we call them fiery trials. But what makes us unique as, as believers and followers of Christ that we can endure these but not be burned up. And what was a blessing about it says because the spirit of the Lord or the angel was in the midst of the bush. And so for me, when I allowed Christ to truly penetrate those deep areas of trauma in my heart, in my mind, in my soul, I was able to endure even the, the trials and uh, trauma I faced you know, in the present or even in the future with, without burning up or without fading away. And so what it took, honestly... Did you guys hear what he just said? Because that's important, right? Mm -hmm. The trauma isn't going to consume you. The trauma isn't going to burn you into oblivion. It's what God's going to use in your life. Like David says, uh, before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. Before he was afflicted, he went astray, but now he keeps his word. And so as often and so often as Christians, we buy into the world's definition of what it means to be at peace. But as we study from Yeshua or Jesus, that peace cannot be the environment, it has to be within you. And so as he was sleeping in the helm of the boat, um, the uh, disciples were scared because of the waves were moving and beating against the, the ship. And he, they're like, yo, we about to die. What you, how can you sleep? And he says, oh, ye of little faith. And when he stands up, he rebukes the winds and the waves. He says, peace be still. So it didn't make sense to me. I'm like, well, wait a minute. Why didn't you say wind, uh, ocean, water, be still? He said, no, simply peace be still. And what the Holy Spirit was showing me was like, that was just peace, but it was moving. So we get uncomfortable when things traumatic starts hitting us in adversity. All he was saying, that's just, it's a different form of peace. We, the Bible says we are not to be shaken like the world. How is that? Because we have the prince of peace dwelling within us. And so when I was able to grasp that and say, okay, I want this because I read more in this Bible than I'm really living out. And so it took for me to, to, to go deep. Um, like I say, as men, we're running a home that's burning down to save our children or an innocent person. Uh, we're jumping in front of bullets for our loved ones. But if we have to have a conversation where we have to share our emotions with our brothers or our wives, we're like, yo, I can't, I can't do that one because I may cry, you know. <laughs> but um, as we were saying earlier, the beauty of God just showing me the power of being not just a man but a human, it liberated me. So we were talking about Jesus and Lazarus. And so God forbid, like we said earlier, if you were to drop dead of a heart attack, and if I had the power of Christ to raise him, I would not cry. I would just say, hey, Doug, wake up, brother. That was scary, but just let's go. Get up. I would you know? appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> and so what I, I discovered, I'm like, wait a minute. Why did Christ cry so? Well, they said, wow, look at him in the, in the shortest verse. Yeah, he knew, but more so, he was part human. It was important for him to grieve. Right. And so the reason why so many relationships are hindered in the body of Christ is because we're following the world's definition of happiness. So we'll say, have a good day. But what's a good day? That means there is a bad day. But there can't be a bad day because the word says, consider it joy when you face bad things. It's like, wait a minute, so what's wrong here? We haven't renewed our mind. We're still conformed to the ways of the world. And so that's what's happening. That's why we're shaking when adversity comes. That's why, you know, the phrase uh, racial reconciliation that's silliness because you can't reconcile something that was never together. So we need to just, what we need to do is, I hate the word race anyway because it, it, it promotes competition. The word itself is a competition. So I love to know what's your ethnic background, what's your ethnicity? 
And so, but yet there's still uniqueness in the way we deal with trauma. So for instance, um, many of my uh, Caucasian friends, I have an Irish American friend, his trauma looks different from mine. And so he told me, he says, Jason, like with me, you ever wonder why a banker could lose his job and go home and kill his whole family himself? But yet you could lose three or four jobs and, and find another one you won't do the same? He says, white privilege is real. He says, but on the flip side, it hurts us as men. I said, what do you mean? He says, I am a failure if I ever get fired. There is nothing to live for. And so at the same time, I tried to be, I thought this was just a black thing. And we do experience trauma at a higher rate. But until my heart was soft enough to see myself and others <coughs> beyond the skin color, beyond just the little get-togethers, the, 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 we play church, we, we've mastered church culture, right. but we don't really live for Christ. Right. And so I'm, I'm tired. Right I, um, the reason I have no bitterness looking at you, when I came up, I studied Egyptology, I was uh, in Pan-Africanism, and uh, Nation of Islam, I studied Hinduism, because I knew there was a God, but I didn't like church because of the hypocrisy, the pimping preachers, and all this other stuff. But what I saw when they said, they told me that the white man was the devil. I'm like, well, wait a minute. That was a lie. I never could buy into that because I had too many, quote, unquote, white friends who were a blessing. But it was hard to, at first to live from it because that's your program. You cut on the TV, it's programmed to put us against each other. For sure. So if we don't guard our hearts and minds like the Bible is telling us, I can't see you for more than your skin color. I can't see you for more than what you have that I don't have or what I have that you don't have. And so until, as we were saying at breakfast, until we allow God to truly heal us, I mean, not this pretentious stuff. We could sing here and we love you, Lord, and all of that, but we walk out here disheartened and discouraged and still holding on to ways that he said should be light. So we're carrying burdens that aren't his. And that's another thing. If you're not in touch with your emotions, you can't even allow your soul to grieve. Like David says, oh, my soul, why are you distressed within me? Regain hope, for we will we worship the Most High again. And so for a man, when he can't embrace his emotions, uh, Doug, he can't really worship God. How can you cast your cares if you're always faking it? If you don't know what your cares are. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, for sure. It seems to me my journey, Jason, I just want to... Maybe I'm asking you a question or just asking you to respond to this, but uh, my journey has always been the beginning of that process feels worse than the end. So when you begin to face the traumas, it's unnerving, it's unraveling, it's discombobulating, mm -hmm. it's every word I can think of. Uh, and so I think we begin sometimes mm -hmm. to enter into that, the, the spirit of God draws mm -hmm. us into it, but because it stirs up deep pain, we tend to say, I figured out how to live with this, or I think I can just live with that, I don't want to go. So is that, is that, was that part of your experience? Do you experience that as you bring people to Oh, yeah, yourself? you know, especially as men, we're taught that we're, again, the word masculinity, it's, it's only so many attributes. Look it up. It's either to be uh, strong, bold, or assertiveness or aggression. But what about the compassionate, the love, the caring, and all these other attributes? So as men, we always want to be hard, but we don't want to do something that's hard. 
And so going deep and dealing with the past father wounds, the words your father said to you or your mother not trusting you, basically were telling you you're a failure. But she wasn't. It was my mother was just overprotective because she lost uh, two sons potentially, you know, because my other brother was through a different marriage. And so, yes, it's hard. It's difficult. But I got tired of losing, man. And so with my wife, um, I got <coughs> tired of just sweeping issues under the rug. You know how we do. And just maybe it'll blow over. But it doesn't, so when the winds of worry and stress come, that rug flips over, and now all these issues that we swept under the rug arise again. And so with my wife, now we're to the place, because of the hard work, because of the hours of counseling and meeting with our pastors, we, we are now at the place now where if we argue, we reset immediately. Because now we look at each other's intent. I know she doesn't mean to hurt me. She just didn't know how to articulate her feelings at that moment. Uh -huh. And now as a man of the most high who is emotionally liberated, I can say, hey, what you said, that really hurt my spirit. It, I, it, do you not trust me? Instead of saying, boom, why would you say that to me? I'm working hard every day. And that's what I used to do. But now I say, wow, Nicole, that hurt me. Why would you say that? Am I not trustworthy? It's a different type of communication. And, and as men, until we allow ourselves to be human and express that, and it's a blessing. I talk to so many men who can't cry to their wives. I can literally cry in front of my wife and she'll caress me like my mother. I long for her presence because I give her an opportunity to walk in the gift of being a nurturer. But until we can embrace our emotions, um, like in the beginning, uh, Adam and Eve, God gave Adam a responsibility, but he gave Eve a relationship, Adam. So Adam had the garden. He created Eve for Adam. But here we are as men, emotionally uh, backed up. We need an emotional enema. That's what I say a lot. Um, and we can't go to our wives and tell them how we really feel because we're scared that they're going to say something that'll bring up a wound from the past. Sure. It's vulnerable. It's very as vulnerable. As soon as you share real emotion, you're... Exposing yourself. But it's freedom in being vulnerable. It's, I have nothing to hide. Uh, transparency is a blessing as well um, because I don't want you to see me um, because what's, who's speaking and what has happened is not me. It's the Holy Spirit in me. And so I, transparency, like transparent tape or duct tape, you don't want to be a duct tape Christian where no one can see who's moving in you. You want to be transparent where they can always see the Christ in you so they'll be like Moses and say, yo, what is that? How is that bush not burning up? Oh, it's because the spirit of the Lord is in that bush. And then they'll draw like Moses is turned aside from what they're doing and come and see what it is in you that's giving you this liberation. Awesome. Thank you. Hey, go ahead. One of the things that really struck me as Jason and I had a chance to sit and have breakfast is uh, Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, and forgive one another as Christ forgave you. Be kind, tenderhearted, forgiving, and do it the way that Christ forgave you. And, and I think uh, when I think about grace and I think about what we're trying to do across um, racial lines and to be brothers and sisters who just love each other well, um, I think the epiphany, and I think maybe I knew this, but it just became more clear, is, is we can't live out this passage until we're honest with what we actually feel. And so if there's resentment, we name it. Mm -hmm. We say, I am resentful of. If there's anger, we name it. I'm angry. Even if you don't know why, being able to put real names to the emotions, being able to invite the Spirit of God into it, 
you know, I, I, just, I just think we're not gonna get to the next place that God is trying to take us as a people until we can be honest, where we can be liberated, where we can let go of our emotional incarceration and just be honest about how we feel. So I just think there's a, a wonderful invitation. I think it's God's sovereignty and God's timing uh, that Jason is here this week and we're starting curtains in two weeks and really the whole premise of that Bible study that Meg and I wrote is to be an honest church, to be a place without pretense to, you know, I, I've said this in the first service, I've said it to Jason, we have breakfast, I think church is one of the easiest places to hide. You learn a few good phrases, <laughs> you put on the right face, literally, you put on the right clothes, and you can be a good Christian. Uh, and if we're not a church where we can struggle together, where we can walk in and say, God doesn't make sense to me today, where we can walk mm. in and say, I am just deeply angry or sad or whatever that emotion is, then we're never really gonna learn to live into the one another studies of scripture. I can't bear your burden if you can't bring your burden mm, to the table, that's right? Good. And that's really what it's about. Is there a, something you wanna leave us with? Is there a, an, I feel kind of bad because I've totally asked you all different questions this time than I did last time. So you're like, that's not what you asked me no, that's before. Fine. But... I don't, that's the Holy Spirit. Oh, that's good. Fine. I'm okay. Cool we'll blame hey, him. Met, hey, I'm free. So um, what I like about this, though, what's hitting me is be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God and Christ forgave you. There's a saying we hear a lot, hurt people hurt people. For sure. We can't accomplish that if we're walking around with wounds. And I add to it, hurt people not only hurt people, but they keep hurting people. <coughs> and so much so as in the body of Christ, there's a hash, hashtag that says church hurt. And you can just put it in Twitter or anywhere and you'll see these memes. They're joking, but their people are hurting because of what they thought they would receive from us. They never got it. It was just like the world. And like Christ says, this is what I would leave. And this is what liberated me. When I was about to lose uh, my marriage, um, no infidelity, no gambling issues. We just so, just so much negative talk over each other, pronouncements. You know how you just argue and you just say so many negative things about each other over and over and eventually you really, it's hard to coexist. And one day I was, I hit the refrigerator, we got in a big argument and God told me, you haven't ruled your emotions yet. You and your wife built this marriage on your own individual desires. If you want to save it, you need to allow me to tear it down so that I can rebuild it on the foundation Christ. And that was very hard. <clears throat> it, it, was, it was hard because you have to admit that something is wrong with you. And so when I looked in the mirror, like Christ said, you know, he doesn't say stay in the mirror, like just stay there and condemn yourself. He says, look, go to the mirror and remove first, remove the plank out your own eyes so you can see clearly to help someone else. We're walking around with blocks of wood in our eyes and we're faking it. And if we can't be real with ourselves in the mirror, we're so busy, like we want God to pour into our cups, but we keep moving. It's like a waiter. He said, you want something else? Yeah, I want some more, but we keep staying busy. And he keeps spilling out all of the blessings he's trying to give us the restoration. And so... When you allow yourself to say, I need help, that was a point in my life where I said, I'm tired of losing. I'm going to trust you because we believe in these misleading mantras, happy wife, happy life. That's a lie. You can ask my wife because if we're both not at peace, there is no peace in our home. And why women to tell you, like, I don't want any more of these popular sayings. 
I want true power that's manifested through me following Christ. And so I just encourage all of you to be real with yourself. God knows who we are and what we're all dealing with. We all prejudge each other before we even know each other. You just got to be honest with yourself. <coughs> um, and in that honesty, you'll find liberation because the worst thing you can do is condemn yourself. And then the Bible says that there's no condemnation in Christ. So we know, like you said in the first service, that's the voice of the evil one. Allow yourself to be yourself so that you can get healed. Stop faking it so that you can truly live and walk in his will. Amen. Thank you. So um, I'm going to invite Nicole and Jason Jr. to come up, and I want to pray a blessing over them. Um, I told Jason that God had given me a, a, what I think is a pretty clear word for him. I think it's a word for him in private. I don't need to tell you what that word is, uh, but I would encourage you guys to talk about that. Can uh, I say something? Of course you can say I don't it. mind it being in public because men have issues. So can I say it? Yeah, sure. All right. So he said that uh, Pastor Doug believes that uh, accusation may be something the enemy tries to hit me with. I said that the Lord made it. Oh, I'm sorry, you me tell me. Morning, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that you're going to come under some false accusation. False accusation, good. So now, the um, reason I want to say something, because it's out here, I don't care. I understand. That's what I'm saying. But this is great. For men, what I do, I want to give something uh, like a life application. So as men, we all should desire to be faithful to our wives. Say amen. Amen. All right, good. So now, one day, I like how you all in shape like that, but I wanted to get in shape like Pastor Doug. And I'm walking by my cabinet. And I see a bag of fresh... Who laughed? <laughs> you, you got... Move along. Sheesh. I saw a bag of Lay's potato chips, and I love Lay's, but at this period in my life, I'm trying to define my muscle and get in shape. I said, well, you know what? Two chips won't hurt me. So I cracked the bag open, and the Holy Spirit said, wow, if you give in to these Lay's, what are you going to do when you see some legs? Wow. So that's, so something so simple can be so profound because if I can't deal with the simple temptation of some Lay's potato chips, what happens if Satan uh, somehow causes me and my wife to be a conflict and I'm traveling and at the time I used to travel with men and I don't have my man with me and then I'm cool with the woman and now we get friends and next thing you know, we're going out for coffee. Next thing you know, we're at the movies. Next thing you know, it leads to something else. Because I didn't allow the Holy Spirit to train me to yeah. deal with the emotion that was tied to those lays and the flesh that's tied to a man desiring what he shouldn't desire. And so, yes, you're right. The enemy will attack that way. So it's, it's not a secret. Any, any one of us who dare to do this, you're in the game now. No coach strategizes around a player that they can't shoot. Let him do what he do. That's no thing. We need to worry about these guys or these women who are really fighting and shining a light in such a way. We got to put that out. And so this is why it's so important that we pray for each other. And I love the mission of the church being a mosaic and, and, and embracing one another. Because if not, those who shine the light the brightest, the enemy will shoot out and continue to shoot out until we start being there for each other, encouraging one another as it's written in Hebrews 3.13, as long as it's called today, so that we would not be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. And so I just wanted to just, I don't, I want to be transparent yeah. forever. I don't, I don't have nothing to hide, yeah. you know. No secrets. I'm, I'm, I don't want to go back into my jail cell. I'm free. Amen. Amen. All right. Nicole, Jason Jr. 
This is the way better half. <laughs> Much better looking half, too. Yeah. I, I saw her in an interview, and I realized as soon as I saw her in the interview that I picked the wrong one to have on the stage, but it was too late. Water was already under the bridge. So we'll, we'll have her come back. Maybe we'll have both of you come back sometime and just talk about what the Lord's done in your marriage, yeah, uh, which could awesome. be a pretty powerful thing. Yeah. But let me just pray for you. Lord, uh, thank you uh, for the Wilson. Thank you for the story uh, and how it continues to unfold. Thank you uh, for the healing that you brought uh, to my brother's heart, thank you for the honesty and just the peeling back of the layers. Thank you for his friendship, but thank yes, you just so much for uh, the story that you've entrusted to him that he's put in this book. Uh, my prayer of first service continues to be prayer that this book would go as viral as that video did and that uh, you would just open doors of influence uh, for Jason that he never knew he was gonna have. I pray that you would continue uh, to just shape and mold young lives through the cave. Uh, the lives of the fathers and the lives of the sons. But I just pray that you would protect this marriage, that you would protect their children, that you would just put a hedge of protection around uh, Jason in such a way that uh, when the evil one comes, he'll know it for what it is, Mm -hmm. that he will fight the good fight, that he'll press through, that he'll be the man of God that that you're calling him to be. We pray for protection. We pray that any accusations that Mm -hmm. come will be Mm -hmm. just dispelled and there would not be any... Uh, fall out from that, but we just pray that you would protect uh, this ministry yes, uh, in this man of God. Yes, we Lord. ask this in the name of the Father yes. and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Thank you. Let's thank the Wilsons. Thank you. Okay. Yep. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah for sure. Lot, yep. All right. So Jason, just let me know that he has books, but he doesn't know how many he has left. There was quite a run on him in the first service, so please don't trample each other getting back there to get a book. And if um, they're still, if we're out of books, I'll get some from them and we'll sell them Mm -hmm. next week and we'll go Mm -hmm. from there. Um, We prayed for you before the service and I wanna just share some of what we heard, the people that meet in the uh, chapel. Uh, Somebody's suffering with some right eye issues, some pain in their right eye, we'd love to lay hands on you and pray for that, Um, that there's some struggles with obedience and you probably already know just by me saying that, that that might be you and we'd love to pray over you Uh, for that. My alarm is actually going off because we pray for little Jake Pinar every day at 1231. Mm -hmm. So continue to pray for Jake as he battles the brain tumor. Uh, Mm -hmm. And we just want to pray over you. So if you have physical needs, spiritual needs, whatever it is, we believe the Lord is in the healing business, the freedom business. So just come on down. Prayer warriors would love to be with you in that. Mm -hmm. God bless you. And again, let's just thank Jason and the Mm -hmm. message that he gave us today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. It's fun to share it with you.